All right, so let's talk about this more. We're in our series on Galatians. Uh, I got to listen to Adam last week. How about that? Great job. Give Adam a big hand. He's not here. He won't know we clap for him, but just uh, really appreciated his message on freedom. And you find that is the theme of Galatians. Like we're not going to find, oh, now we're in a verse in Galatians where he's not talking about freedom. No, we're not going to get there. That is what this book, this letter is about. You heard us sing, I'm free, this morning over and over and over. And we're going to sing it again at the invitation because this is something we can't, we, you just cannot mature in the Christian life until you totally have your arms around what this freedom in and through Christ means. All right, so we're going to be in chapter 5 today. When we were, when we were practicing this morning, uh, you know, we, the worship team always comes early and we run the set list uh, and pray and uh, spend some time together getting ready for you all to get here. And so we were clicking through the, the PowerPoint and, you know, to get to the last song, you have to go through all my slides and they just kept clicking. I'm like, God, this is a lot of Bible today. And I started joking. I said, yep, if you've got your Bible with you, go ahead and open it to every page. That's not that much. But we're going to look at some scripture today in chapter 5. This is an important passage of scripture. Let's start with kind of this anchor verse uh, and the mix of all these that we're going to talk about. It's in Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. And I'm using the Living Bible Translation today. Uh, it, it's just, and I'm, I'm going to ask you to not get in an, in an uproar about the translation that we use. Because uh, the, 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 the God-inspired, breathed Word of God was in Greek. All of the translations are an attempt to try to communicate that to us in English. None of them are perfect. This one I felt like gives some clarity that's a little more difficult to understand in the New King James Version or NIV that we use sometimes. Um, but I want you to hear this in chapter 5, verse 17. It says, For we naturally love to do evil things that are just the opposite from the things that the Holy Spirit tells us to do. The good things we want to do when the Spirit has His way with us are just the opposite of our natural desires. These two forces within us are constantly fighting each other to win control over us, and our wishes are never free from their pressures. This morning we're talking about a message called Winning the War within. Paul lays this out pretty clear. He says, there's, there's two things inside of you. For the believer, he's talking to Christians. He's talking to the church. He says, there's two things inside of you. One is the, the flesh, uh, the, the natural state, the heart of man that is, that is broken, and it desires to do evil things. And then there's another force inside of you, the Holy Spirit, that wants you to do good and right things. It says they are always at odds with one another. One wants you to do thing, and one wants to do another. We find that in these few verses that the flesh, like our, our sinful nature, like it wants control. It wants control of what you do and how you act and how you think and what you believe. And it's the complete opposite of the spirit. We find that this this these desires inside of us want us to keep from doing the good that God wants us to do. And then we also find that this, this desire, it falls short of fulfilling all the, the, the law, right, the rules. It can't be good enough, all right? It's going to make mistakes. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to keep all the Ten Commandments perfectly. 
And so we're going we're gonna to look at this. We'll say, how do I win this war within, this war within me that I, I, I consistently kind of I lose my temper all the time? Or I, I'm suffering from uh, addiction. Or I, I'm just suffering with, with negativity. And, and, and nobody really ever says this, but, you know, you're the most divisive person. I'm just struggling with being so divisive. I always divide everybody. Nobody does that and recognizes it and really struggles with it. Um, but you could be that person that instead of being the encourager, you're the criticizer. And so these are the things that we, that he lists out in just a minute that are the works of the flesh, the things that the flesh wants us to do. And we say, how do we, how do we win this war, uh, within? I want to read, um, at, at first, first I want to read starting in verse 13. And let's sit just for a minute on this idea of freedom. For, dear brothers, you have been given freedom, not freedom to do wrong, but freedom to love and serve each other. I've kind of hit this every week. Adam hit it last week. This, this freedom from the law that, that Paul is teaching them here. Because the Galatian church, they had first, they stepped out in grace, had accepted Christ, and then these other people came in and started teaching them. But you've got to also do all these rituals of the Jews. You've got to be a Jew first if you really want to be saved. And what Paul is telling them is that you actually have freedom from the pressure to be good enough. Man, that is enough to like, we should jump up out of our chairs and shout. You are free from the pressure to be good enough, to try to do all the right things, to never miss church, to wear the right way, to talk the right way, to be the right way. You are free from the pressure when it comes to salvation to try and be and do all those things. You've been set free from it. And so the, the, there's always the other side of this is, wait, well, if I've got that freedom, I can do whatever I want. I can just like, so I, I, can, I can sin and do whatever I want. And he says, don't use the freedom to do wrong. True belief, and when you believe and you've given your heart to Christ, it's not just an intellectual belief. Like it's this, it's this committed belief where we believe with our entire life. Like we go in with Christ. And, and Paul said in Romans 6, he said, that doesn't even make sense, that question for a Christian to ask, oh, so I'm set free from the law, I can do whatever I want. No, your heart has been changed. That is not a question a, a real believer will begin to ask and wonder. So if you're in that state and you're saying, well, how far, how much can I sin and still get away with it? Then we're going to find the answer to you and that problem in this, these verses. We find that instead of the law, the right way to change our lives and be renewed is actually through grace. And it's a restraint of love. Because that's what he says, like, you don't have the freedom to do, don't use your freedom to do wrong, but use it to love and serve each other. Let's go back to verses 1 through 6. Because we've got to read this. This is an important part. Because uh, you'll have people ask you. You'll have people maybe quote. I think it's verse 3 or 4 that, that talks about people falling from grace. Can you fall from grace? Let's understand this real quick before we get into the heart of winning the war within. So Christ has made us free 
Now make sure that you stay free and don't get all tied up again in the chains of slavery to Jewish laws and ceremonies. Listen to me. This is getting serious. This is what Paul's saying. Listen to me, for this is serious. And so I, I want you to hear Paul saying this to you. This is serious. I want you to listen to this. If you are counting on circumcision and keeping the Jewish laws to make you right with God, then Christ cannot save you. I, I want to bring that in, into to our culture. If you are counting on coming to church... Every Sunday, if you are counting on giving your tithe, if you are counting on it's been 10 years, six months, and four days since I said a four letter word to save you, if you are counting on any good deed or refraining from bad things, you're counting on any of that, and you say, Well, I'm not really counting on that yet. Yeah, we, we say we believe Jesus, but then we feel so condemned, we, we feel like we can't live up to it. And that means you're not really settled in the freedom that comes in Christ and the peace that comes with it. What, what Paul is saying, as long as you're trying to save yourself, Christ can't save you. As long as you're trying hard to be good enough, I mean, if, if you're hinging your salvation on that, then Christ can't save you. I mean, he goes on to say in verse 3, I'll say it again, anyone trying to find favor with God by being circumcised must always obey every other Jewish law. If you want to try to be good enough, then you've got to be perfect, and none of us can do it. Christ is useless to you. If you're counting on clearing your debt to God by keeping those laws, you are lost from God's grace. If you go back to the King James or you're used to hearing it, in the translation, it says, you have fallen from grace. To use that verse to say someone was saved and now they're not is actually completely taking it out of context. What he's saying is actually you are going back to trying to live by the law, and you've fallen away from the doctrine and the truth and the theology that the only thing that can save you is grace. You've, you've not, it's not about salvation. The thing is, it's like you as a church, man, you all are messed up. You're confused. You had it right, and now you, you like Adam said, you're, you were on a diet, and now you're eating McDonald's. Like you were, and I mean, literally, he lets them have it. He's like, who are these people that's telling you this garbage? You've got to get it right. Salvation is by the grace of God through your faith. That's it. It is it. It is your faith. You, I mean, you've, you've completely turned away from the truth of what Jesus is. And he says, but we, by the help of the Holy Spirit, are counting on Christ's death to clear away our sins and make us right with God. Isn't that amazing how, like, we try, I mean, we, you try to be right and you can't ever be right and you don't get it. When you sincerely believe and give, go all in on him, and believe in him immediately, you're declared righteous. Like all that effort, nah. Just a little belief, a little faith. It's like, oh, I just have to trust in Jesus. I have to give my life to him. And all of a sudden, God sees you as righteous. 
and you are saved. And we to whom Christ has given eternal life don't need to worry about whether we've been circumcised or not. You don't need to worry. Somebody said yesterday, I got a, you know, my mom, she's a follower of Jesus, one of them that cusses every now and then. Y'all met those people? Y'all are those people? All we need is faith working through love. We're going to look at the, the end of this chapter. We're going to understand the war within like you've ne probably never understood it, like I never really understood it. Um, and we're going to see that what we may have felt at times as a list of the good things and the bad things that we can do that we're getting ready to read here in just a minute. That you felt like maybe salvation depended on like when you died and what state you were, <laughs> what you were doing at that moment when you died. Or maybe that you, at the end of, of, of life, God's going to just come out and he's going to take these fruits of the spirit and the acts of the flesh and he's going to put them on these scales, right? And you're going to say, if, if I loved and been faithful and been gentle and, and I've had more self-control than, than I've had all these other things that we're going to read about. And, and whatever balances out, that determines heaven or hell. And we're going to see that that is not at all what Paul is teaching here. He advises us in verse 16, and this is the secret, this is the secret, this is the truth. Because here's the thing, to win the war within, it doesn't uh, require uh, more effort. It requires better focus. Not more effort, but better focus. Because what happened to the Galatians, they started focusing on the law again, the rules. And when you focus on the law and you let in the flesh and you're just trying, 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 and, and trying harder, then, then the, the flesh only has one option and it fails. But Paul tells him in verse 16, I advise you to obey only the Holy Spirit's instruction. When you're saved, the Holy Spirit takes up dwelling inside of you, become a temple in which God lives. And he will tell you where to go and what to do, and then you won't always be doing the wrong things your evil nature wants you to do. Y'all remember way back in the day, first computer we ever got was a Gateway 2000. It looked like a cow in a box. Remember it showed you? Anybody ever get one of those shipped to you? It came with, uh, I mean, I, I'd grown up for my dad riding in the vehicle, going on trips with the old Rand McNally map. You remember the maps? The big road atlas? I still make them. Somebody here still using them. I love you. <laughs> but this computer came with a, a CD-ROM of Rand McNally. I thought, man, we have made it big time. Like, I can look at maps on a computer. And then you got to where you could print out. Like, it wasn't still wasn't the GPS on your phone like it is now. It's like you would print out directions. And have you ever printed out some of those directions? And, and I mean, they are so hard to follow. Like, it's turn left. And I don't know any, like, route numbers, really. Interstates I can, I can usually hold on to. But beyond that, I'm off. I don't know. 
And so you're reading all these things, and you're trying to go on a trip, and I can remember we printed those out, and it was so hard. Like, you always ended up taking a wrong turn. But if you had somebody in front of you that knew where they were going, and you're like, oh, that person knows the way. Like, I don't care about this list. I'm watching their bumper. Actually, I'm not going to get let one car. Who's a good follower? Like when you're following somebody, like nobody is getting between us. Uh, you got those? And then, you, you know, there's bad followers, the ones like, like I've had people follow me. I'm like, where did they go? They're like, I mean, I'm going to just pull off and wait on them. Like, and so I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an aggressive follower. Like if I'm following you, you're not going to lose me. I'm going to stay on you. I'm going to be focused on you, not this little piece of paper that's going to get me messed up. And so this is what Paul is telling him. He's like, stop looking at the piece of paper and the rules and law. Spend more time with the Holy Spirit. Let him guide your heart. Focus on him. Focus on, on more scripture and more prayer and, and more time in community with other believers. And, and he's saying, what, if you're following the Holy Spirit and looking at him and what to do, It says, then you won't always be doing the wrong things your evil nature wants you to do. So what what I'm saying is, you don't need to try to stop. You need to try to follow. You don't need to try to stop doing bad things. You need to follow the Holy Spirit. We read verse 17, the war within. Verse 18 says, when you are guided by the Holy Spirit, you need no longer force yourself to obey Jewish laws. And then we start on the fun list, right? The fun list, starting in verse 19 through 21, tells us all the bad things. But when you follow your your own wrong inclinations, your lives will produce these evil results. Impure thoughts. Eagerness for lustful pleasure, idolatry, spiritism, that is encouraging the activity of demons, hatred and fighting, jealousy and anger, constant effort to get the best for yourself, complaints and criticism, the feeling that everyone else is wrong except those in your own little group. Man, does this sound familiar? And there will be wrong doctrine, envy, murder, drunkenness, wild parties. Sounds like college. And all that sort of thing. And let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So that's the verse that we get hung up on, right? That we say, wait, wait, he just said, like, if I tried to do all those things, then Jesus was of no use to me. Why would he say at the end of verse 21, well, anybody who does these things will not inherit the kingdom of God? Well, it can't be in contradiction. 
And so if you get into the, the, the Greek of this, uh, living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God, it means someone who is completely unrestrained from beginning to end. They, they, this living is not like you accidentally did one of these today and you died and now you're going to hell because you did that. You lived that sort of life today. This is not actually the list of what we should try to do and what we should try to be. This is like a litmus test to understand where your focus is and who are you walking by. Do you have the Holy Spirit in your life? He's saying if you've got the Holy Spirit in your life, then you are not going to walk like this. You are not, this is not going to be a habitual repetition of all these things. And when somebody looks at your life, it's not going to be defined as that guy is wild. It's just not if the Holy Spirit's got a control of you. You're not going to live out this type of life from beginning to end with no repentance and never stop. And, like, and, and, and uh, what's this one say? Uh, eagerness for lustful pleasure. Lasciviousness is the King James Version, I think. That means just like, man, I like doing bad. I want everybody to know I'm doing bad. It's all on Facebook. Y'all know those people. I just don't care. Like, I want to be as bad as I can be. That does not come from the Holy Spirit. They don't need to stop being bad. Because you know what? What the Jews were trying to do, they thought they could clean up their culture by, by forcing laws on people. Does that sound familiar? Like, we could clean up America by instilling the rules of of. of Christianity and the way that we should walk and if everybody would just walk in the ways that Christianity teaches and the rules and laws then we would be better but you realize rules and laws and, 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 and court systems and criminal justice system in America is not meant to transform lives it's meant to protect us it's meant to protect the citizens of America there's only one way to transform hearts to, to move from to this first list, to the second list, and it's through a heart who has accepted the grace of God by faith. That is the only way. You, so, so if we say we're just, if we could change policies and rules and laws, we'd clean this place up, it will never happen. Because the hearts of men are broken and they are sinful. And the beautiful thing about this, as we get to verse 22, it says, But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, He will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love. I've not decided yet, but I might. I didn't want to spend an entire sermon on the acts of the flesh. I'm not going through every one of them and going into details. Y'all don't need to know that. I don't need to tell you that. Because it, it makes you think, oh, he's making a list of things I shouldn't be doing, and that's not the purpose of this sermon at all. But I might next week spend an entire Sunday morning on the fruits of the Spirit. Because these words in the Greek, man, they are deep. Even that first one, I'll give you a hint. Love, agape love. That means love even when the feeling isn't there. Does that change your heart a little bit? 
That means love even when people don't deserve it. Oh, I love everybody who's doing good and goes to church with me. But my neighbor, <laughs> envy and hatred. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what the Spirit's going to draw you to. That's what's going to, the fruit that's going to come out in your life. And he says, I mean, there's no conflict with any Jewish laws if the Spirit's in control. If you're following the person who knows how to get there, you're not going to get lost. But the Galatians, they were bad followers. They let a semi get between them and the Holy Spirit. Like They couldn't see. They were confused. They were trying to follow their, their old ways. Because here's the, the beautiful thing. These fruits, these acts, these are just, right. like I said, this is just revealing your walk, your internal heart. And whether you're walking with the Spirit or not. And it, re- it reveals your focus. He says this in verse 24, those who belong to Christ have nailed their natural evil desires to his cross and crucified them there. I guess the whole point of this sermon is if you're a child of Christ, the, the war within has already been won. While you will still have these temptations and and every now and then you might do some of those things on that list. There'll be a kind of an instant guilt around it. The Holy Spirit's going to draw you back into his closeness. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit, you, you don't have to worry that one day you might accidentally do one of these things and then not be saved anymore. Because you see, they all died when, you, when, when, when Christ takes up residence in you. They all died the death on the cross with him. He's already conquered all of that. And if you think there's anything more powerful than the Holy Spirit that says we have the same resurrection power living in each and every believer, that if we're focused on that power instead of focused on our constant effort to try to be better, then we trust in the Holy Spirit, there's no doubt in my mind there's nothing you can't conquer. If we're living now by the Holy Spirit's power, let us follow the Holy Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Then we won't need to look for honors and popularity which lead to jealousy and hard feelings. He takes us to the end of chapter 5. Romans 6, 2 says, God forbid, how shall we, that we are dead to sin, live any longer therein. 2 Timothy 2.11 says it's a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walks not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You're no longer a slave to the flesh.
two groups of people here. Those of you who've never, you're not a follower of Jesus, like you're just kind of a bystander, learning a little bit, asking questions, wondering about who he is. The only way to conquer those things in your life and to conquer hell and, and conquer uh, the struggles that you're facing are, is to go all in in your faith in Jesus Christ. Not just be like, oh, yeah, I believe there was a man. His name was Jesus. And uh, he, I believe he, 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 he died and was resurrected in three days. I don't think... I, I, I don't think... You can really believe that, like the Bible tells us to believe it, and your life not change. Like if you really believe he died and was resurrected, then you believe he was God, and you believe he was a God that created you and has purpose for you, and then, then you get this hunger in your soul to do everything that Jesus taught and was, and you want to be more like him. And when you really believe it, you're like, man, I'm all in on Jesus. This is it's not, it's not he was a good teacher and, uh, and I'm going to go to church and, and I'm going to learn you know, what Jared talks about and apply these things. I'm going to take that list. I'm going I'm to try to, to, to you know, stop uh, you know, being angry and jealous of my neighbor and, and, and life will be a little bit better. Maybe you can make some marginal improvement and be a better neighbor, but it won't get you to heaven. All that gets you there is faith is really believing in this morning. I, all I can say is just go all in on him. I mean, just put your faith and believe with your whole life. Turn away from your sin, repent, profess it. And as the first kind of step of, of uh, obedience, get in the water that represents the death that you died with Christ and that you now live with him when you come out of it that we're getting ready to do today. That's just this public profession of faith. You know that man, Jesus? I follow him. I'm all in. I want the world to know it. And those of us that are followers or believers, uh, it's really just this ask is to, to feed the Holy Spirit a little more in your life. With scripture, with prayer, with time and fellowship, with other believers. To not get distracted, to get your focus right, to look there for direction and guidance. You know the old story of David and Goliath as we get ready to wrap up this morning. Everybody else, right? The Philistines were camped on one side, Israelites on the other. The Philistines have brought forward Goliath. He's this giant. He's coming out. He's beating his chest, and, and they've made a deal. They said, anybody who can take him out, they, you win. Like, we're going to do a one-on-one -on -one basketball tournament, and whoever wins, wins. Winner take all. And every... Every, all of Israel, were, they were running from the battle line. They were running away from it. They were scared out of their minds because they had their focus wrong. They were focused on the giant. They were focused on what he was capable of. And yet when this little ruddy shepherd boy who, 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 
who, when Samuel went to anoint him to become the next king, uh, did not even, his dad did not even bring him out of the pasture. He brought all the other brothers. But this one little boy that was delivering food to his brothers on the front line, when he heard about it, he could not understand how, how, how this, these people who served uh, the, the God of Abraham <laughs> could be so scared of a little giant. Because he had his focus right. When he got to the giant, in chapter 17 of 1 Samuel, verse 45, David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. Can you say that to your anxiety? to your depression, to your temptation, to the thing that's tempting you in life and distracting you from God. Can you say, you come with me with this temptation, but I come to you. All that has been nailed to the cross. I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty, Jesus himself. God, we, as we get ready for a song here this morning, as we look to you. God, we are so thankful of your provision, your promise to win the war within, that you have already won that battle, that all we have to do is accept it, God, and to stand freely in it, that brings peace and joy that that we can't even comprehend. God, we just pray today that you would encourage us, that you would draw us our focus and our attention back to you and Jesus Christ and grace. God, that we would not try to save ourselves and make Christ of no consequence. God, we, our only hope is in Jesus Christ. We have one hope, and it's him. God, we just ask that you make that clear in our spirit and in our minds today that we could celebrate in that peace and find out that the love that comes from it is to love one another. God, we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm.